you would, open your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 21. 2 Samuel chapter 21. And we're going to be reading, begin reading verse 15. 2 Samuel 21 with verse 15. It says, moreover, the Philistines had yet war again with Israel. And David went down and his servants with him and fought against the Philistines. And David waxed faint. Now there's some inspiration behind what I'm going to be preaching about this morning. And it has to do with the birth of Abishai, John and Keturah's new baby. After he was born, we were invited into the room to see him. And John was excited because, you know, they were hiding the name, you know. And, uh, they, you know but they wanted grandmas and grandpas to, to hear the, the name first. He was really excited about it. So he hands me a Bible, right? And he has it open to this passage in 2 Samuel uh, chapter 21. And he has me read now. For one, it was one o'clock in the morning. And my eyes aren't so good anyway. And it was a little dim in there. And he has small print. <laughs> so actually, after I was stumbling through a little bit, Mrs. Tripp brought a light over from her phone and helped me out a little bit. But I started reading out in verse 16 is where he had me start. And it says, and ish bib banab. <laughs> and I stopped right there and I said, no. <laughs> he said, no, that's not the name. That's not the name. <laughs> which is good because he was, says, which was one of the sons of the giant, the giant Goliath, by the way, the weight of whose spear weighed 300 shekels of brass and weight, he being girded with a new sword, thought to have slain David. And then it said, But Abishai, the son of Zariah, succored him and smote the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swear unto him, saying, Thou shalt go up no more out with us to battle, that thou quench not the light of Israel. Abishai, David was in harm's way. He was weary. And this Ishbibbanab <laughs> was going to take him down, but Abishai came in and took care of him. And so this kind of, for John, I don't know that he realizes all this or not, but you know, John is kind of like a warrior mentality, and John has a heart to serve me. You know, I'm, I'm aging. You know, uh, you know, I'm getting out into the ball field and, you know, I see my boys saying, you know, and others in the church, you know, should you be doing that? You know, <laughs> you're in arm's way, you know, um, you know, it's just part of part of life and it's part of going here. But, uh, you know, John is John has a heart to help me and to, and to look out for me. And I, and I really think this is really special about the mighty men 
of David. And it said, It came to pass after this that there was again there was a battle of the Philistines at Gob. Then Sibachai, the Hushathite, slew Saph, which was of the sons of the giant. Here's another one, number two. And there was again a battle in Gob with the Philistines, where Elhanan, the son of Jeorjugum, a Bethlehemite, slew the brother of Goliath the Gittite, the staff of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. And there was yet a battle in Gath where there was a man of great stature that had on every hand six fingers and on every foot six toes, four and twenty in number, and he also was born to the giant. Now, it's, I just thought of this. Yeah, I'm thinking, what's the big deal about six toes and six fingers? But when you think about numbers in the Bible, six is the symbol of man. <laughs> Five is grace. It's kind of referred to as, as grace. It says, And when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shimeon, the brother of David, slew him. It says, These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servants. First Samuel. 1740, it says, And he took his staff in his hand, speaking of David, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. He had five stones put into this bag. One for Goliath and the other four for his sons if he needed them. That's the way I think about it. It wasn't like if I missed the first time, I've got four other ones. I believe there was something in that, that he had five stones. By the grace of God, he would kill all of them. But they were also smooth stones weren't they? Now, if you're like me, and this is what I'm encouraging you to do, ask God about it. Why smooth stones, God? Why smooth? Why not a sharp stone, you know? That thing could just zip, getting right on the juggler, you know? That'd take care of me. It seemed like, you know, it's a stone, you know? It wasn't, you know, it wasn't that big. Why not a sharp stone? 1 Samuel 17 Verse 37, David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put a helmet of brass upon his head, and he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And just a little note here, this is a little side note. But, you know, we're learning uh, some verses and things we've learned uh, <clears throat> through drawing men to Christ. You know, we need to have our own armor. 
You need to be building your own armor that you are comfortable with and witnessing. It's hard to go in somebody else's armor. We can use it, maybe part of it, but what's important is that we're comfortable uh, going, going to people to, to witness to them, to talk to them. So learn what your armor is. Find it. Verse 40, it said, And he took his staff in his hand, and he chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, and put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had even in a scrip. And his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. And the Philistine came and drew near unto David. <clears throat> and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine <coughs> cursed David by his gods. Little g, little o, little d, little s. <coughs> Excuse me. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. Now we're going to see a lot about David here. We're going to be talking about his mighty men here in a moment. But his mighty men follows the example of David as, as they were mighty. It says, This day the Lord will deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all his, this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and He will give you into our hands. And it came to pass when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it and smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead that he fell upon his face to the earth. A round stone, smooth stone, sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. I think there's some symbology here. In 1 Samuel <clears throat> chapter 5, it talks about uh, the ark of God, and the Philistines had the ark of God. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer unto Ashdod. When the Philistines took the ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon and set it by Dagon. And when they of Ashdod arose early on the morrow, behold, Dagon was fallen upon his face to the earth before the ark of the Lord. Isn't that interesting? Same thing. Same, similar battle, evil against good. Dagon falls on his face before the ark of the Lord. And they took Dagon and set him in his place again. They lift up this statue which can do nothing. 
<clears throat> set him in its place again. And when they arose early on the mo morrow morning, the next morning, behold, Dagon was fallen on its face to the ground before the ark of the Lord as before, and the head of Dagon and both palms of his hands were cut off upon the threshold. Only the stump of Dagon was left to him. And it says, neither, Therefore neither the priest of Dagon nor any that come into Dagon's house tread on the threshold of Dagon in Ashdod unto this day. It says, This time the palms of his hands were cut off as well. You know, the hands are associated with our works, what we do, who and how we serve. In Luke chapter 4, verse 8, And Jesus answered the intempted of Satan, and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, <clears throat> excuse me, and him only shalt thou serve. Interesting, isn't it? You see the big picture. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of the sheaf thereof. And remember how heavy that was. It caused me to think, man, David's probably pretty strong. Lifting that sword and slew him, cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It says, It shall bruise thy head. Talking to Satan. It shall bruise thy head. Smooth stone. A bruising effect. And thou shalt bruise his heel. Get thee behind me, Satan. Second Samuel chapter 23, <clears throat> verse 8. If you'll turn there, Second Samuel chapter 23, verse 8. <clears throat> and these be the names of the mighty men whom David had. And the title of this message this morning is The Mighty Men and Women for God. Let's pray. Father, as we celebrate this birth of Abishai, John and Keturah's newborn son, we look into the mighty men of God and we can gain from what these men were and how we and glean from that and how we can understand how we can be mighty men and women for God. And so I pray you just burn this message into our hearts, Lord God. Encourage us and excite us in your work, regardless of the cost. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. <clears throat> That was 2 Samuel 23, verse 8. And then it says, The Tachmanite that sat in the sea, chief among the captains, the same was Adino the Esnite. 
he lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. Now, you're going to see there's going to be some references to three of the mighty men. There's a couple of different references to three of the mighty men. Okay, there's the three that, the first three that it says that the rest of them never really attained to as great as they were. Okay, there's another three that went and got water (laughs) um, for David out of the well of Jerusalem. And um, that's another three that's referred to, so I don't want you to get too mixed up in that. But this was the first one. And it says, he lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. And I'll just make this statement with this. A mighty man or woman never sees impossibility. I don't care how big it is. Even if it's 800 warriors against one, it's not impossible. This mighty man never saw it as an impossibility and went after him. With God, all things are possible. All things are possible. We have our 800 men against us sometimes in life. What feels like it. And the devil wants us to think that can never happen. It can never happen. It can happen. A mighty man understands with God all things are possible. Now I believe this man, it didn't matter to him whether he died in it or not. He went believing in God that all things are possible. He left it in God's hands. And you'll find with all of these, the words, the same as David, the battle is the Lord's. God is the one who gets the victory. He's the one who does the job. It's not them. It's belief in God. And belief, every mighty man and woman needs to believe that if everything, God is it's possible. <clears throat> Verse 9, it said, And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Ahoahite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were there, gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. I will say this about this man. A mighty man or woman will not back down when he or she is all alone. You are going to have times in your life where you feel all alone. I'll tell you, and my guess is that every preacher is like this, sometimes I feel alone. A lot of times. Alone. I'll be looking for encouragement sometimes, I just can't find it. And you just feel all alone okay. This man went to battle. (laughs) And it says, the men of Israel were gone away. It was just him. A mighty man or woman will not back down when he or she is all alone because though man may not be there, you need to have faith that you know God is always there. He will never leave us or forsake us. 
I tell you, we're going to go through all this in life. We need to be committed to these things. Verse 10, he arose and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clave under the sword. And the Lord wrought a great victory that day. And the people returned after him only to spoil. They only came back to get all the stuff from him afterwards. It said his hand cleaved to his sword. I know what this is like a little bit. Mine's because of older age and working with your hands a lot. I, I like to paint, but when I paint and I'm painting a lot, my fingers will lock up. And I have to actually like pull them apart. Some of you I hear shaking, you get some of that too? You get it from me then. You know, but he clave his hand to that sword that it was just he couldn't, he couldn't get off of it. It was stuck on his hand. A mighty man or woman does not stop even when they're weary. We are going to get weary. In season, out of season. I was thinking today, how am I going to preach today? This has been a rough week, Kevin. Just things doing and working and getting things done, and the baby's born, middle of the night. I'm tired, and I, you know, a lot of times I think, well, I've got this on my time, it's just going away. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. God will just have to do what He'll do. But we gotta, we gotta keep going even when we are weary. And it says in verse eleven and twelve, and after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Herite, and the Philistines were gathered together into a troop, where there was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a, good, a great victory. A mighty man or woman will stand in the face of a bully. He will not back down. We are going to have bullies in our life. And we don't need to back down. You see, the rest of them fled, but he stood there. He stood the ground and defended it. One guy. We're one person. And said, the Lord wrought a great victory. Look for God to do something. We cannot allow this world to bully us into things. It's, it's trying to do that now uh, with all sorts of things and trying to bully the church down. But we can't afford to do that. We need to stand. Stand and defend it. Verses 13 through 16. And three of the thirty chief went down. Now, it's interesting just to give you a little thought about this. The mighty men were called the thirty. There was actually 37 of them. It's not really said why they're called the thirty. I don't know if seven of them Maybe weren't what they were supposed to be, and there was really only 30 of them, like, you know, like a Judas Iscariot, or if seven of them died, or that was just a term of the 30, 
you know. And it could mean 37, it could mean 36, 31. There's 30 of them. It said, and the 30 of the chief, 30 chief went down and came into David in the harvest time of the cave of Adullam, Adullam. And the troop of the Philistines pitched in the valley of Rephaim. And David was in a hold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then in Bethlehem. And David longed and said, Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. A mighty man or woman so loves God's leadership. (laughs) These would do it. They would give of their life for them to please them. Now, I've heard a lot of people call me pastor. You know, and that's that's difficult, you know, when sometimes when it's your dad, you know, (laughs) that's the pastor. But what really, like, encourages me about that it's not that I'm anything. It's what God has called. That's, that's what makes me anything is because God's somehow going to use me. And really, when you honor me, it's not me. You're honoring God. <laughs> and that because you're believing in God has provided this leadership and your trust is in God. And I believe David knew this. It says, because nevertheless, he would not drink thereof of that water. Now, he says, but he poured it unto who? Unto the Lord. I think he was showing these, this is not me. You should not have risked your life for me. I feel bad. This belongs to the Lord. He is worthy. He is worthy of your life to give it. But you see the honor in there. And you know, all I need really from you guys is to love me because I'm going to, you know, I'm just a man. But if God's put me in a spot, trust in God with it. Don't trust in me. Trust in God and love me and things will be good. That's what mighty men and women do. I know, uh, Well, I'll move on here. Verse 17, and, and he said, David, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of the men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. So there was a group of these three guys. We're going to find out who some of them, two of them were anyway. 18, verse 18, and Abishai. The brother of Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was chief among three. And he lifted up his spear against three hundred and slew them and had the name among the three. Was he not most honorable of three? Therefore he was their captain, howbeit he attained not only not unto the first three. In other words, there was three, but not the top three that God had there. Here's what I see. A mighty man or woman will be proactive, will set the example, 
will lead. That's what Abishai did. He set out and he did what needed to be done. Sometimes we just need to step out and do it and be the leader. Verses 20 through 22, And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabzeel, who had done many acts, he slew two lion-like men of Moab. This is some interesting scripture here. He went down also and slew a lion in the midst of a pit in the time of snow. And he slew an Egyptian, a goodly man, And the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, but he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. Now I get a picture of that. The guy was really good with that and used just his his rod or his stick to pluck the sword out of the guy's hand and grab his sword and kill him with his own sword. These things did Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among three mighty men. A mighty man or woman, listen to this, practices what he has learned and becomes highly skilled in a service to God. We're learning a lot of things. We need to step out there. We need to start asking God for people to to talk to, to witness to, to love, to care. And we need to just get involved with it. That's what a mighty man or woman does. They become skilled. And I'm sure he, this fellow didn't go down there and said, Oh, I picked up a magic stick. Nah. He knew what he was doing. He's worked that thing. And we need to be working our faith toward others. He said he was more honorable than the 30, but he attained not to the first three. <clears throat> and David set him over his guard. Now I want to say this. Jesus had many disciples. Many, many disciples. Twelve of them he had as apostles. But there was three that were what you might call an inner circle. Peter, James, and John. You find them together in special times where none of the rest were involved. The mightiest men or women of God are those who would seek to be the closest to Jesus, to know Him, desire to be with Him. But Jesus showed them the way to be closest to Him. So turn to Mark chapter 10. We're going to end with these scriptures. Mark chapter 10. The mightiest men are those who will seek to be close to Jesus. Now some of these disciples, Peter, James, and John, and particularly James and John, wanted to be the greatest, wanted to you know, sit on his left hand or right hand, and, um, and they had this idea of what greatness and being close to Jesus was. But Jesus told them how you're going to be great. Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. says, And they were in the way going up to Jerusalem. And Jesus went before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. And he took again the twelve and began to tell them what things should happen unto him. He's going to flat out tell them. 
saying, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man shall be delivered unto the chief priest and unto the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles. And they shall mock him and shall scourge him and shall spit upon him and shall kill him, and the third day he shall rise again. Now, as you read through the scriptures, God didn't give them the understanding. This just kind of went woof right over the head. What seems so obvious to us now because we know Jesus went to the cross and he was scourged. He was delivered to the Romans, to the Gentiles. I mean, he was spit upon. Every little detail here was taken care of, but they just they didn't understand that. And here they go, and, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, in verse 35, come unto him saying, Master, we would that thou should do for us whatsoever we shall desire. He's saying, I'm asking you for something. We, we want something from you. And he said unto them, What would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in glory. And we could have, I want, we want to sit on your left and right hand. We want to be the closest to you. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of? And be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And he just told them what that was. Crucifixion. And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. <clears throat> In other words, they were going to be persecuted. They were going to have their cross. And with the baptism that I am baptized with all, shall ye be baptized. Speaking of death. Death by the cross. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give. This is like, he's saying this, this isn't about closeness here. This is more about what God has for you. He says, behold, I go and prepare a place for you. You know, he's got a place prepared for each one of us. A special place. That's his choosing whatever that place is. It doesn't have to do with being close to him. And when the ten heard it, now the other ten, including Peter probably there, they began to be much displeased with James and John. Who do they think they are? <clears throat> but Jesus called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know they that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise the lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. In other words, the guys at the top make the little guys do whatever they're supposed to do. They exercise lordship over them. We know that today. We know who the boss is, you know, and we know who some of the worst bosses are who really just get over the top of people and work, work them over. He said, but so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you, because he knew they, they wanted to be great. They wanted to be close to him. He said, shall be your minister. And whosoever you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. A mighty man or woman for God is going to give his life to minister to others. 
You want to be a mighty man or woman? Serve others. Care for others. Love for others. Your joy will be fulfilled there, by the way. Why aren't people in church today? They're self-serving. It's sad. But here's what it's all about. It's pretty simple. You want to be a mighty man? Serve others. You can even think about those mighty men. When everybody else left, you know, one guy stood for the rest of them. Guarded the stuff while they all fled. Gave his life. The three that went, they really gave their life up to give David a drink of water. You know, think of that, that intent. That is, that is the heart of a mighty man or a woman. For God, let's pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Pianist coming to play. The mighty men of David. You know, David needed them. David's not the great one. He was great because he did what God created him to do. And he needed help. Especially in his older age. He needed some help. And there were people there to help. Mighty men he had. What made them mighty? All these things we talked about this morning. But the greatest of all will be the servant of all. How are you looking at life? All these things, there's difficulties that are going to come our way. These mighty men faced great odds against them. Difficulties. Weariness. But they stood. And they served. And they loved. How about you? Amen. Thank you all for coming this morning. Pray the Lord spoke to your heart. Encourage you. Man, it's a tough battle, man. We've got to stay in it. Be like the mighty men. Father, thank you for your word that we can glean things from and just have examples that we can look at and be encouraged in our life to keep going for you. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.